Hello to everyone listening. I am Nathan, and welcome to the Sea Brilliance Podcast. In this podcast episode, you will hear an amazing story told by an amazing person. And hopefully the story that they will share will reveal something about your life and will encourage the brilliance that resides in you. So let's listen together. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Tislam Swift. Uh, my middle name is, well, two middle names. I have two middle names, Tislam Rokem Hakim Swift. I always tell people that because one of those names, Rokem, was the name of my late uncle, my father's brother. And Hakim was the name that my mother wanted to name me. Instead of like deciding, they just gave me both those names. So I always tell people my whole name, Tislam Rokem Hakim Swift. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I went to Morehouse College for undergrad, where I studied music. I'm currently a doctoral student at IU, the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music, where I am studying and researching all things Black classical music, and also teaching Black music at the African American Arts Institute and teaching a class in Black classical music at the uh, Jacobs School of Music. So that's pretty much who I am and what I do. What makes you feel inspired or Mm. like your best self? When I feel like I'm able to use the gifts that I've been given at the greatest capacity and give and, and using those gifts to give back, right? So me as a musician, um, I often say that all artists, all the greatest artists to me are people who have used their gifts to give back. So that that usually inspires me when I see people realize what they are able to do and, re- and realize their gifts and they're able to give back using those gifts. So that's that's what really inspires me, I think. Tell us about how is it that you go about encouraging or inspiring others to use their gifts? Well, for me as a kid, like both my mom and my dad were always super adamant about telling me that I could be whatever it was that I wanted to be. And so I grew up thinking that like early, early on saying, okay, well, and and at the time when I was like eight years old, I never get, I wanted to be a train conductor. And so my dad was like, if you want to do that, you really got to work hard to do that. You can be whatever it is, but you just got to be the best at it and work towards it. I always tell people, find that thing, find that thing that you are really passionate about, even if you if others might think it's minute or not take it serious, and you capitalize on that, right? Like so for me as a musician, I went to perform at arts high school. And that's where I really saw people really working really hard at their craft and you know, saying that that's what they wanted to do to get to the next level. So I just did that and that's what that's what has carried me to to get to where I am today. So what is something that people seem to misunderstand about you. Okay, so I'm extremely like extroverted and outgoing and I like to network and I like to talk to people. And oftentimes I think people think that maybe I don't get nervous or that I don't, you know, maybe have a social bubble. But sometimes I think I, I do. I think all people who are extroverted or outgoing as artists are also sometimes, sometimes a little bit reclusive, you know, when we want to be like idle, when we want to like really think. I have moments where I want to be like inspired by myself. And people may may not think that I need that kind of thing. I don't know why I was moved to say that, but that's where that's what I think I was thinking of. Speak more on that because you know I think that might be a common misconception that a lot of us mm-hmm. might deal with. I always tell people like one of my favorite artists is like Beyonce, right? I think she's ex- extremely you know, and I love her music, I love her voice, but more importantly, I just am really captivated by her like her work ethic. And, you know, her desire to always want to produce something great. And I think, you know, sometimes from the outside, some of us might think, okay, like we want, you know, like people are right now, fans, myself included, I'm always like, where's that new Beyonce album? Like, what's up with that? But Beyonce is a human. She has a, a breaking point, right? And she's entitled to that, almost similar to what we see now with like Simone Biles, right? I was so inspired by her and Naomi to say, 
this is my breaking point. And I know even, you know, they're the, they're the greatest at what they do, but even those people needed a break, right? So that they can keep on, continue being great and producing, but they do need a break. And so I often think about that when, as a performer, as an artist, as someone who was always wanting to give back to my community, I always have to stop myself and say, okay, I, I need to recharge so that I can then in turn use those gifts to give back. When do you get an indication for when you need to take a break? And then what does that break look like for you? I think when I feel like my 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 well has run dry, you know what I mean? When I feel like I can't give any more, let's say like my, my gift is my music, right? If I feel like I'm at that point where like I'm not being my best or I'm not showing up for my relationships, whether they be friendships, professor to student relationships, any kind of relationship, if those things are now coming to a fault, I think that just means I need time to recharge. And that's when I know for myself that I need to say, you need to break. And that kind of break, you said, what does that look like? Sometimes that might mean self-care, which might mean rest. It might mean a spiritual connection and, you know, praying. It might mean, you know, taking a recharge, maybe taking a trip, reconnecting with family and loved ones and other things that I love to do. You know, I'm a musician, but I also really love social justice. I also love TV. So I might do those kinds of things to recharge. But I think it's important for us as people to just know when your when your breaking point is or when you need to slow down, you know, or regroup. This is making me think about challenges that we all face. So tell me about a challenge you faced and how you dealt with it. You know, how is it that you responded and addressed that challenge? I am or traditionally have not been very good at setting boundaries for myself, right? Like I said, I'm always down for, you know, the community and, you know, coming to a place like Bloomington, Indiana after living in Atlanta, which was like a Black Mecca for me, a Black space. Um, and then, of course, being from like New York, but like Bed-Stuy, Harlem. I've always come from extremely Black spaces. But then when you come to a place like Bloomington, I always felt like I had to be a part of everything that was like Black, everything, you know, that was affiliated with the community or every way that I had to give back, every opportunity, I felt like I had to do that, which meant I was overextending myself. And that challenge was, you know, feeling like I was still included in the community. It's still of value, even though I decided to take a step back and step, you know, in certain ways. Right. I didn't always have to go to every march or every protest or every black student union meeting. But I know I, 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 that's a long answer, but that's, what's on, that's on my mind. That was on my mind. So I think that leads perfectly into me thinking about, you know, you mentioned how, you know, Atlanta is this black Mecca. And, you know, when it comes to a Mecca, it's a place of self-discovery and being grounded and equipped mm-hmm. and, you know, said culture. And so describe where you were when you first discovered who you want to be. I hate to sound cliche, but like the truth was at Morehouse College for me, right? To be around a space of Brilliant black men who were all like the best at what they were, you know, what they were wanted, wanting to do. Right. So we you get there and everybody was the best in, the, in their class, you know, the top valedictorian, et cetera, et cetera. And it inspired me to say, I want to be the best at what I want to do, but also be a proud black man within that. You know what I mean? And so it made me say it's OK to want to be a black man who really loves classical music. Um, and this is a way to do it. This is a way to do it maybe from the Black classical music perspective. That kind of shaped, you know, shaped me up to, to, to what I do today in grad school and, and beyond. 
Yeah, I think, you know, Morehouse is, um, you know, they, they say it's what the, I, I forget the the coinage, the international factory of black men. I, I can't. I, yeah. So, some, something your your president coined, you know, Dr. Franklin. So, <laughs> and, you know, I'm a, I, I'll try to step back with the questions now because I feel like I came with you nice and heavy. I'm glad these are good questions. I definitely take my time and doing like a pre-interview. So, you know, looking at the relationships with some of the people in which I've developed, looked at some of the developed relationships I've had with people. So like with you, I sit and I think about what are some questions that I want to ask and learn from and to grow. So, you know, what are you passionate about in life? Again, brother, that's a great question. I'm passionate about seeing everybody win, seeing everybody, you know, everybody having an equitable opportunity to flourish. Um, and whatever, you know, whatever flushing means for you, making sure that happens, right? Like I come from bed and just, you know, just seeing that community where everybody was like rooting for each other. I just want to be able to see that for everybody, especially Black folks. So that's a broad answer, but yes, that's, is everybody has an equitable chance at life and education and freedom, access to food. I think I'd be a happy person. Why are you passionate about equity and particularly, you know, equity when it comes to Black experiences and, you know, opportunities um, that just allow people to use their culture and to be validated in spaces where their culture tries to be stripped from them? You know, why, why is equity such, you know, a passion of yours? Well, to me, it's because people have gifts that maybe they are not aware of, right? Like, for example, I was exposed to classical music because I went to a specialized high school in New York City, right? Had I not gone to that specialized high school, that would not have maybe opened up my eyes to the world of classical music and the world of Black classical music and to know that, hey, there are Black people, Black like heroes that have done this and that have paved the way for people like me to do this. But I wouldn't have known that if I like didn't have access, right? So and I wouldn't, I, unfortunately, I was an exception of one of these students who had access to that kind of thing. But everybody should have an equitable chance at that. Every kid should maybe go into music as a professional, but they should be able to have the opportunity to, to explore themselves in that way. You know, that helps me with not only studying music, helping me with not only my like gift, but also my ability to talk to people, my ability to, you know, to interact, to connect. You know, it just gave me a chance to be this free Black boy that I needed to be at, at that age, at 14, when I, when I started going to a school like that. But yes. So I think this is this is a good question to ask. What was a turning point mm. in your life? If I may be honest, I would say the 2016 uh, presidential election. As a young adult, that was the first one of the first elections that I had seen a, a divide in the country and knew again that I needed to be able to try and use my platform to promote social change or social uh, political change even especially being in a space like Bloomington at the time, all the prior elections, the first election that I had voted in uh, was the Obama, the first Obama campaign, right? And so that was at Morehouse where everything was black. I felt safe, you know what I mean? I felt like I was like everyone else who had voted for you know Obama, but being in a space where you're like, oh, wow, like this is different. You know, maybe everybody doesn't think that, you know, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a turning point for me in, in 2016 to think, okay, well, you do have a purpose in this earth. 
and you do should you should use your gift to maybe do more than just look at it as just an art you know what i mean if that makes sense yeah yeah that, that makes that makes a lot of sense and so you know as take this this interview not to you know to close what are three words that describe who you are i would say loving my father as a kid always would tell me you should love love everybody you don't have to like them but you should love them um and i've tried to follow that as you know i've tried to let love be the basis of my life so i would say loving uh resilient yes i'll just say that and realistic i think it's important to be realistic with the world and life so those are my three words loving resilient and realistic all right all right when did you come to realize mm. those three words best to best describe you? When did you come to realize you into that, you know, your father, you know, instilling, you know, some of these, some of this in you? But when did mm. you come to realize those three words best describe sure. you? I think as an adult, as a young adult, the older you get, as a musician, we travel a lot. So sometimes I'm away from my family or oftentimes like if I'm singing at Christmas services, I might not be able to be in New York with my family. And sometimes it's just like, OK, this is a point of isolation. But how can you, you know, overachieve or overcome those points of isolation? And immediately I think of the love that I you know, want to have or would like to have. And that means family for me, connecting with like black folks. And that is that, you know, to me, black to be to be around black people, or to be, to love black culture, to love. I think that is the basis of so much of what we do in our culture, so much in up in our culture. So loving in that way, as far as being resilient, again, I think we have seen so much happen to our people, right? So much slavery from the slave trade, unfortunately, to the civil rights movement, to now the Black Lives Matter movement. I think so many of us are so resilient. You know, we've, a lot of us has held trauma through our ancestors in certain ways, and we are still able to over, overcome and achieve. Simone Biles deserves this break. You know, she's taken on a lot of trauma and internal things that we may not know that she's dealing with. So for me, I think she's resilient in that way. So shout out to her. I had to say that. My last word. What did I say again? Realistic. Realistic. Yes. You know, I think, again, the older I get, I think it's important to, to tell people to be vulnerable. You know, I think it's important to be vulnerable and let people know how you really are feeling. To let go of trauma, to let go of things, to let go of things that may, you might be holding on to. You know what I mean? I think the older I get, the things that I want to release into the universe to heal from. And the only way to be able to do that, to heal, to be able to be progressive in life is to be realistic with myself, right? To be honest with who I am now and what I want to become and how I want to you know, use that to help help everybody around me in my community. And so where can listeners find you online? Where can listeners find you online? I am on the internet. I have a website, tislamswifttenor.com. And I am also on social media, Tislam Hakeem Swift on Facebook, Tislam Rokem on Instagram. And I'll be a lot more present on TikTok pretty soon. Thanks to Nathan. <laughs> the the good singing, the good singing. Yeah, you know, Anita Baker, you know, that's that is I have her out her rap her rapture album sitting right there in my record collection. Yes, you have you have an actual vinyl? Oh yes. Oh man. Oh yeah. Ne- next time you ever come, I had to show you all the vinyls I I, I have. Mind, I just started collecting vinyls, so I'll have to we'll have to have an exchange. There we go, <laughs> there we go. 
Well, again, you know, thank you again for, um, you know, sharing, you know, who you are, who Tislam Swift is uh, in your life. And, you know, hopefully this might encourage someone to be more loving, uh, resistant, and realistic when it comes to their approaches of life and, you know, discovering, you know, who they are, who it is that they identify as um, in their effort to make a difference in the world. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, my brother. This was a great conversation anytime. I look forward to the next time.